imagine that you're running the hurdles. If you get so caught up trying to think about how you're going to get over that last hurdle that you miss the one right in front of you, you'll never actually get to that last hurdle. So rather than try and focus on, okay, what do I need to do down the road? Focus on what you can do today. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today is another special guest lecturer episode. I've been getting great feedback from our Facebook community about different topics that you would like to have expert entrepreneurs come in and teach us. And if you want to contribute to that discussion, please head over to our Facebook group. Just search Academics Mean Business, the community. And yes, I have quite a gift for you today. Today, I brought on Zach Spuckler. Now, Zach is actually one of my first teachers in this online space. And he's a lot younger than me, which I love because part of me is like, oh, he was like my college student that I was learning from as a professor. So uh, yeah, I bought a few of his things. I've been in his community and in his circle for a long time, ever since I started. And so it's really refreshing to just get to interview somebody that um, you've learned a lot from, right? Somebody that you look up to and that you've seen just grow as a person grow their business and just really just start to make an impact. And so it was a really fun conversation. Um, We definitely talk about his education career as well. And he has he basically went on to get a master's in public health. And he made that decision, um, you know, in looking at physical therapy and being an occupational therapist, I won't get too into that. He'll talk about it. But what was cool is he actually talks about starting a side hustle as a way to leave the academic life once he figured out it wasn't for him. And he basically realized he didn't really like the idea of working. So we get into it a lot about the early stages of his business and some of those first decisions that he made. And I really think you're going to like that discussion. And he, he definitely has been in business... I think three years now. Um, but he, you know, he mentions that he's been an entrepreneur and has had some sort of business on the side ever since he was like young. So yeah, so please listen to that part of the episode. I think you'll love that piece. And then of course, his training is actually on growing your list. And this is something that came from our Facebook group that people really wanted. How do I start to grow an audience? What are some of those initial steps? And he really breaks that down for us in a way that... I mean, he's a great teacher, which is why I love his stuff. But yes, he definitely breaks it down. What are some of your first actions? And then we even get a little deeper too. So you can grow from that and start implementing a lot of his suggestions today. I hope you enjoy this episode. And please leave us feedback on iTunes. That would be amazing. If you are enjoying listening to Academics Mean Business, uh, iTunes reviews mean a lot to me. And also, of course, come and join us in the Facebook group. All right. I hope you love this episode. Yay! I have Zach Spuckler on with me today, another guest lecturer on Academics Mean Business. Welcome, Zach. Hey, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. This is kind of going to be a treat, you guys, because he is a professor in <laughs> to me in the online marketing space. <laughs> so I'm definitely interviewing my teacher, which I think is super fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks for coming by. And he has a lot of knowledge to share. And um, he's, he's really, I think, um, just to give a little, I don't know, like a 
preview, if you will, about our relationship and how we know each other. I was following him on Periscope back in the day. Maybe you listening don't <laughs> even know what that is, but it was a thing. Um, and I had to do live video with live video. And yeah, I was just like, who is this little kid talking about, you know, um, how to sell stuff online? I think you were doing Facebook ads actually at the time when I was, I was. following you. Yeah. And um, so I fell into his world and got to know him. And it's so that's what the power of video. I mean, really, like, on a really, like, it felt like I was hanging out with you in your living room with your dogs. And you were just talking online about all the stuff, you know, yeah, the good old days. I, I remember it like days. it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So that was Oh, gosh, so that was a little over two years ago, because I think it was that summer. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Because it was the summer half, I went into years. teaching. Mm hmm. So Oh, yeah, because it was the summer before when I was doing my MLM stuff that I saw you. And then the following summer, summer was when you released your product and I bought it. And it was so funny because today as we're recording, um, the Facebook memory popped up um, because I was a testimonial for him. And I used this amazing course that he created um, about challenge launching. And it worked out for me. It grew my list. It grew my Facebook group. You know, it made me some sales. And it was it was awesome. And that came up today, this morning, the day we're interviewing, which I think is so, so fun. So awesome. Yeah. So, Zach, we need to talk about your education background. Yeah, we <laughs> And do. I say that... <laughs> I'm laughing out of love because I know a little bit about your story. Um, but that's where we start on Academics Mean Business. So I'd love to hear like what you studied in school. Um, and then I also know a little bit about what happens after your bachelor's. So uh, yeah, give us that that little tiny peek into your academic background. Yeah. So I went to school for an undergraduate of a bachelor's of science focusing in exercise science, which was basically gearing me up to go study to be an occupational therapist. And mm -hmm. I got my bachelor's degree and I realized from having what they called PMD clinic, which is perceptual motor development clinic, you actually get to work with um, children who have developmental needs. And I quickly realized that I was not meant to be an occupational therapist. Mm. I was not meant to be a therapist uh, really in, in any type of the way. I really thought that taking that class was going to light me up and fill my soul. And um, it was something that I dreaded every week. And mm. I remember feeling really like that was so taboo because like working with kids and you're supposed to love it and it's supposed to, you know, light you up. And it did not. It did not do that for me. <laughs> it um, it was really like something I didn't look forward to. So mm. I ended up finishing my undergraduate degree because my parents had always taught me like, get a degree. You'll never regret having a degree. I, mm. I still don't regret having a degree. The only thing I regret is the debt. Uh, sure. <laughs> but oh gosh, I could talk I about that all day. <laughs> yeah. But I don't regret going to school. I don't regret my undergraduate. And I got an undergraduate degree and I decided to make a shift that I was going to go into um, a master's degree in public health, an MPH. Mm. And I went for a year. And really what I was looking to do was get into corporate fitness. But you know, even now about, gosh, it's only been three years, but corporate fitness is really, or at the time was kind of this emerging field that people mm -hmm. didn't really know much about. And even now it's still very um, infantile in what it offers. But I had worked at a, at a rec center with um, one of my first mentors. I know we'll talk about mentors in, in a mm -hmm. little bit, but one of my first real mentors I worked for at, at a rec center when I was in college. And I just fell in love with the environment. I fell in love with it. I used to be like super fit, super healthy, protein shakes every morning, working out, you know, five, 10 times a week, 
you know, and I, and I love that. So I went to get a master's in public health. And after about a year of doing that, I just was not enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying mm. the process. I wasn't enjoying my classes. I was doing fine. I was getting good grades. Everything was okay on the outside, but it just wasn't lining up with me. And so after about a year of my master's degree, I decided to quit. And mm. I always like to put this little precursor because it sounds like this glorious image of like, I quit my job and I started a business and look how things mm. blew up for me. But really, I was kind of side hustling for about would have been a good six months to a year when I left my master's degree. And I was already making enough money to fully support myself before I ever left my master's program. Because um, if you've ever been a master's student, it's not exactly feasible to have a full-time job with a master's no. program. You can do it. Most people don't, or most people who do are getting a master's degree part-time. I was going for mm -hmm. full-time. Um, and so I was like, I, I, I was doing this full-time. I had a part-time gig working at a health department and I made enough money in my business that I could walk away from school. And so I did. And three years later, I've been doing it full-time ever since. I absolutely love it. And I, ironically enough, work in the, the business and marketing sector, which has nothing to do with public health or health education. Um, but I love it. Yeah. I love. So we're going to dive into that a little bit because I think it is really important that the side hustle piece I want to get into so when you when you mentioned having a side hustle as you were in your master's program, did you know you wanted to start a business? Was there at any point where you're like, oh, I could build something online? Or were you working just for somebody and saving up your money? Yeah. So I've kind of known since about the age of 13 that I was going to want to own my own business or, okay. or be in business for myself. I, I just kind of knew that because I, I didn't... I didn't like the idea of working. I got my first job when I was 14. Mm. So I knew from the age of 14 what it was like to report to somebody else and punch in. Sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, summers from, from the age of 14 on, I basically worked a nine to five job until mm -hmm. I was 18. And then I started school. And then in school, I still had a part-time job. And then I became a resident advisor where I was, you know, if you've ever been a resident yeah. advisor or heard of somebody that's a resident advisor it's basically like a full-time job with like none of the benefits. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, I don't, don't regret it, but it wasn't, you know, I made a lot of good memories with the people I worked with. We'll, we'll put it mm. that way. Mm. Um, but so I've known for a really long time that I wanted to run my own business. And so I was going to school to try to find something that I enjoyed that would pay me well, that would give me some of my own flexibility, which is what originally mm. led to, um, occupational therapy, because I can't remember yeah. what it what it's called now. But essentially, occupational therapy is such a high demand field that you can work. I want to say it's called PMT. Which don't ask me what it stands for, or if that's even right. But basically, <laughs> you subcontract out under other people, whether it be schools, businesses, facilities, and you can essentially work on your own time. But because you're a therapist, you command a really high hourly rate. So yes. you can afford to essentially work on your own hours. So that Got was it. the vision before I ever even came into academia. And mm -hmm. essentially, I just found that, you know, I have tried so many things over the years. And, you know, I've done everything you can imagine as a side hustle from freelance writing to mm. website flipping to MLM to, mm -hmm. you know, ads management. I've, I've dabbled and played with it all. And mm -hmm. I just knew that I wanted something that would support 
kind of time and financial freedom. And that's has and continues to be one of my top priorities. So Mm -hmm. it would be it wouldn't be completely true to be like, yeah, you know, like I'd stumbled into my business. Like it was intentional. It happened Mm -hmm. um, because I've always had this perception that this is the life I wanted to live. Mm, I love that. And I love painting that picture because that's important for me on the podcast too, about how, you know, we try things and it gets us one place and then, okay, what does next level look like? And I've always um, enjoyed the way you've talked about that too and about how you've grown your business and and we'll definitely get into that. But um, this idea of like, maybe you do start as an MLM and have this side income and maybe you do start doing some sort of freelance work. And that that doesn't have to necessarily be the thing you do forever that makes you leave the academy if you're looking to leave the academy. Or, you know, just knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect to start whatever it is you're trying to start, that likely it will shift. So I appreciate you um, kind of sharing that. So in those early days... Where were you going for help? Uh, you know, how? what did you... I, obviously, I found you on Periscope. So when, when, when did you start kind of going, okay, this thing can become something pretty big um, in order for me to leave? Because I think that's when I started to follow you was like as you were deciding not to continue with your program or you had just left or something like that. So paint that picture around that that time for you. Yeah. So I think two really big things happened. And one is that I actually had a mentor that had kind of been supporting me, not necessarily in business, but just in life. And that was mm. my my former boss. Um, and her name was Angie. And, and I worked for Angie. And I actually ended up joining a direct sales company under Angie. Um, I actually forced her to, to let me join because she was like, eh, that feels very conflict of interest Mm, that I'm your mm -hmm. boss and you're going to sign up under me. And I was like, just please, please let me. And the company that I was a part of is called Beachbody, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. P90X, um, Shakeology, Insanity, you know, all of that was this company. And the company had what were called the three vital behaviors. And I'm going to try and remember all of them, but it's been a while. But one is be a product of the product. Um, Mm -hmm. Two is daily personal development. And three is... um, I want to say it's to drink your Shakeology every day. Probably. But I, but I if not, wrong. that's the fourth one. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically, they're encouraging you to do a couple of really vital things, which is mm-hmm. get moving, um, moving every day, and do personal development every day, 15 yeah. minutes, which is reading yep. a book, listening to podcasts. And so because Angie really supported me with getting into that company and working with that company, I quickly found myself developing habits of personal growth and personal development. Mm. And when I, whether I was doing website flipping or direct sales or, you know, whatever, I found that this common theme is that I was always looking to further my education more in the school of Mm. hard knocks and, and non-formal education. And, you know, I was introduced very early or what I think is very early to online courses And I started Mm -hmm. taking online courses and online seminars and learning about Facebook ads. And so when I stepped back, um, I actually also ran a food blog while all of this was happening in there, right? So what ended up happening was I was doing personal development. I was taking online courses. I was studying what I wanted to do. And I hit this point in early 2015 where I said, okay, you know, I've, I've done all the things. I've tried all the things. I've pivoted. I've had fun. Where do I want to go from here? And I stepped back and I identified, okay, what do I love about everything that I've done? And what it came down Mm. to was marketing. 
And I really had this belief that I couldn't do a lot with marketing because who's going to take advice from someone who's, you know, mm. I, I always jokingly said, like, I never lost money on anything, but I never became a millionaire either. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this belief that I was like, well, who's going to trust me for marketing? And so mm. I really leaned into my expertise, which at the time was Facebook ads. I'd been studying them. I'd been learning about them. And I started landing one-on-one Facebook ads clients. And after I landed about, um, I want to say about five clients, I basically leveraged my platform, which at the time was Periscope and said, who wants to learn how I've gotten five clients, Mm -hmm. right? Or or something along those lines. It could have been a little different if you go back and look at the history, but we'll just stick with this to keep it simple. So I basically was like, who wants to learn how to done what I've done? That's all I can teach you. I can't show you anything else. I can't go above and beyond making a thousand bucks a week. But if you want to know how I've done it, I'm going to package it up in an online course. And we did that. We sold the course and things just started to dramatically scale. Mm-hmm. And they they scaled really, really quickly and really fast um, at the time. But again, you know, your original question was like, what led to this? What was the mentorship yeah. and, and the background? Well, what had led to all this was all of this trying out of what I wanted to do, all of the support from my first mentor pushing me towards personal development to take study, to study online, to learn everything that I can about everything that I want. And so when it when it came time where I was realizing, look, I'm not happy in education, I'm not happy with my higher ed at this point, mm. all I could do was lean into this personal development, this education that I'd gone through, and I created my own safety net of success that mm. allowed me to step back from, from academics. So that's how we ended up walking away. And that's how I ended up kind of where I am now. Were you worried about anyone in your family, like parents or anything like that? How did they take you not taking the norm, you know, not normal, but traditional path? Totally. Um, My parents were really nervous until um, I've always been very transparent with my family. And um, Mm -hmm. my accountant is actually also my stepdad. So (laughs) I've always been very transparent with them. So they've they've known for a really long time, like how well the business has done. And Mm -hmm. I think them being able to see, look, it's actually doing really well, not just like, oh, my gosh, I made this thing and it's making me money. But like, it's making me a living. It's making me an income. When I was mm. able to show them and prove to them, look, I'm not making $5 a day and, and I'm yeah. like, I'm really ready to quit and pursue this thing full time. Um, I was making good money before I decided to quit and pursue it full time. And that kind of led me to where I am now. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So what what does your business look like now? Um, if you could kind of explain where you're at and what has shifted with um, with your business in the last couple of years, because I do know it's a little bit different too. Um, and I've, I've loved watching you from the perspective of like, oh, he's got balance and he's, you know, doing things strategically. So if you could kind of share a little bit about uh, your current setup of your business and how you got there too. Yeah. So currently the way my business is structured is we predominantly sell online courses and that's where the majority of our revenue comes from. I also have a really small intimate mastermind where I work with other people who sell online courses to help them Mm -hmm. scale their business because I've been doing this for several years now and now I feel comfortable enough to support Mm -hmm. a group of people in in doing the same. Um, But that's the way the business is structured now is the majority of sales comes from online courses or memberships. But digital-based products, and they're really based around what I've learned, what I've seen, and what I've done Mm. with my peers. And so in terms of like my daily life, my day-to-day is either in 
generating more leads by marketing the business and getting people into our email list, um, supporting people in our existing courses or mentorships. And then I take a very, very limited amount of one-on-one clients that I work Mm -hmm. with, usually no more than two to three at a time um, that I work with one-on-one to help support their business. But that's kind of the way it's laid out is predominantly online courses, memberships, a little bit of one-on-one and a little bit of group group programs. Perfect. So I think it's a good time to ask you actually what your advice would be to somebody who's kind of where you were a little bit ago, um, you know, just maybe thinking about that they have an idea, you know, they stumbled on this podcast, you know, an extra thousand bucks might be awesome to, you know, make up for what they get paid in academia. What would be some of your your advice um, for that person? Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is to just get started and take action on something, you know, um, what's that old saying, like luck favors the bold or and mm. I always like to say like, action favors the bold. Like Mm -hmm. if you just take action on something like so many people say like, I have this amazing idea and it's, it's, you know, a million dollar idea. And, you know, I always jokingly say like, it's kind of a $0 idea because it's not worth anything (laughs) as an idea. Um, but it could be a million dollar action if you're willing to take Mm -hmm. that action. So Mm -hmm. my piece of advice is always like, do something. You might not know exactly what you're going to do next. And, And I have this analogy that I don't know if it's totally wrong because I'm the least athletic person ever, but I like to say, imagine that you're, you're running the hurdles, you know, where they're, they run the track and they jump over the hurdles. You know, if you get so caught up trying to think about how you're going to get over that last hurdle that you miss the one right in front of you, you'll never actually get to that last hurdle. So rather than try and focus on, okay, what do I need to do down the road? Focus on what you can do today. So let's say, you know, you're thinking about doing freelance writing. What can you do today to move you closer to getting a client? Can you Mm. sign up on something like Upwork, right? I'm not saying that Upwork is the most profitable place to go to land clients. In fact, it's where most freelancers won't won't recommend you do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But can you get started and get a client in the next 24 hours? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a fantastic first step. So, you know, that's that's my piece of advice is, is just do something and and don't let it stay as an idea. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love I'm going to draw a parallel here for the audience, too, because it comes up over and over again. Um, but I like driving it home. The idea that it, it, it's related to academia and that like the dissertation was a big hurdle that folks out there that have their PhDs or any sort of doctorate level work. And I remember that being a doctoral student being like, oh, my gosh, I have to write this 400 page thing. And it's, you know, tens of thousands of words. I've never written anything like that in my life. And that first hurdle of, you know, declaring your topic that took a long time, so many different iterations. And if you kept focusing on this, the pressure of the final day of turning it in of doing something you've never done before, which shows up in business almost daily. (laughs) But if doing something you've never done before, you don't know what it looks like, you don't know how you're totally going to get there. But let me just take that next step. And I think if we can, you know, recognize that we've already done this in our lives by accomplishing what we've accomplished with our degrees, Um, that entrepreneurship maybe, and we've definitely talked about this on the show, maybe is not as clear cut of a path, but our skill set is very aligned with being able to accomplish big projects. And if you break it down and start thinking about what you can do today versus worrying about this thing that you have to create in the future, the final product, I think that's 
um, perfect, perfect advice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So thank you. So yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about your, um, you know, what you have to share with us as your as a guest lecturer today. So, you know, I see you as somebody who um, it. I've always found your marketing really relatable, and um, I feel like you are. I don't know, like you're selling you, like you as a person. Like, and and I think it's because, you know, it was happening on Periscope and I saw that early days stuff. But even, you know, the way you run your Facebook ads and like how you show up online, it's like a very, it's a very welcoming, a very, um, you know, it's just like not over the top, I guess, is like another way of putting it. And so I think we would uh, benefit from learning a lot from you about how you've grown this audience, like what kind of strategies you're using to grow an audience. That is something that, um, you know, my academics who have decided they have started consulting or, you know, started taking on one-on-one clients or are working on a course or a program. But, you know, they are worried about their their people aren't there yet around them. They have yeah. the idea and the expertise maybe that comes before the audience. So what are some of your tips around you know, getting that first, you know, 100 people to follow you. Totally. So my biggest recommendation is and will continue to be Facebook <laughs> ads. And mm. I always get a little bit of pushback when I say Facebook ads, because people kind of say like, well, I don't have any money to invest in my mm. business yet. Or I'm just getting started. And I don't know that I can spend a lot on advertising yet. But um, we spent money on advertising in the very early days of Heart, Soul and Hustle. And it's one of the few things that I I don't have any regrets about mm. um, because it works so exceptionally well. And before I kind of get into maybe more of the specifics, I always like to tell people to kind of step back and imagine for a second, if you were trying to start your business, even 20, 25 years ago, you would have to write up a business plan, go to the bank, hope you get approved for a business loan. Mm. And now you're <laughs> immediately carrying around $25,000 in debt. Um, and that's modest, right? That's a modest mm -hmm. estimate of what it would take to start a business. Nowadays, I'm saying, look, can you scrape together $500 to $1,000 to start your business with some advertising? And you don't need to spend all of that on advertising, but there are going to be tools and softwares and things that you need yeah. to use. And I have a really good mentor now who likes to say, what got you here won't get you there. And yes. so what got you to where you are right now, which is an idea that you maybe want to sell or you maybe want to offer, you maybe want to consult on, what got you to this idea isn't going to get you those clients. So you need to be ready to change it up and do something a little bit different. And so I personally recommend that you have maybe a few hundred bucks to a thousand bucks set aside to start your business. When I started, it was 2000. That's how much I mm -hmm. had saved up and set aside that I was willing to go all in on the business with. So that's kind of my first piece there is like, mm. look, I get it. I understand the resistance we hear all the time. Like your laptop is an ATM and all you need to do is X, <laughs> Y, and Z. But like it does require a little bit of investment. And I tell people mm -hmm. there's two types of investment, time and money. And the less mm. you have of one, the more you're going to have to put in of another. And yeah. usually time returns slower than money. Mm -hmm. So just something to think about first off. But once, once I've said that piece, I always tell people like, look, the best way to build your audience is with Facebook ads and to put out something free into the world. You've seen these before. Sign up for a free ebook, a free workbook, a free checklist, something of that nature that you can drive people to with Facebook advertising to get them onto your email list. And in my opinion, an email list is the best way to 
build your business and market your services because at any point in time, I can shoot out an email. Now, yeah, just to make it super, super basic, an email list is basically a list of people that you have their emails. That's it. That's why they call it an email list. So it's a <laughs> list of emails, right? Super simple, super straightforward. And then there's software out there that lets you communicate with these people mm-hmm. in mass. And so this is where that money comes in. You'll want a nice software to build your email list. You'll want to run a little bit of Facebook ads and you'll just want to start building an audience, right? Now, here's where it gets cool. You've probably, if you're at this point in your business where you're thinking about doing something different, you've heard from everybody what you need to do. Use Instagram, mm. use Facebook, use a blog, live stream every day, right? You've, you've heard or you've got in your mind some idea of how you want to market your business. Growing your email list lets you amplify whatever you already want to do. So you want to blog because you've heard blogging is great. Awesome. Who's going to read that blog? Well, probably no one when you start out. But if you've got an email mm. list, you can email them the blog. You want a podcast? Well, who's going to listen to the podcast? Well, How about those people who are on your email list that you want to communicate with? You want to use Instagram. Well, what if you could invite people who are on your email list to follow you on Instagram and start tagging their friends to actually grow your following, right? So I'm not saying that any one technique is better than the other, but I'm saying having this core foundation of, look, I'm going to build my email list is a really great place to start because it amplifies anything else that you want to do online. Yep. I agree a thousand percent. And, and I too, yes, you've heard from everyone what you're supposed to do. And you could, you could obviously do all of them. And many of those techniques work, but you can't do all of them at once. Like that's impossible. So it's picking. Definitely. Very cool. Um, And so what are some ways? So thinking about this list, um, what are some ways that you you would suggest in like making kind of some of the that first cash flow kind of thing? What what are your ideas around either creating a new product or um, making a new offering um, once you have people on this list? Totally. So my personal favorite, I'm a little biased because I have a program mm-hmm. about it, but my personal favorite is to run a challenge. Mm-hmm. And a challenge is just a five-day training that you give away for free. So like Um, Lindsay, why don't you give me an example of a course that you have or a course that someone in your audience might have? Yeah. So I have a course coming out called build a better beta. Awesome. So Lindsay's program build a better beta is about building a beta version of your online course that you kind Mm -hmm. of pre-sell, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So I would do a challenge that's like maybe map out your course in just five days Mm -hmm. that works with people to help them map out their their perfect online course over the course of five days. Now, if you're in Lindsay's audience and you're thinking about launching an online course, you're like, wow, that, that probably sounds appealing, like a five day challenge on how to outline your course. Mm -hmm. Straightforward, really simple. You get people to sign up. They sign up by giving you their name and email. So you're building the list. And then over the course of five days, you just deliver really powerful content every Mm -hmm. single day. And then on day five, you say, hey, if you got tons of value out of the last five days and you want to take it to the next level, I want you to join me inside of Build a Better Beta, where I'm going to actually walk you through building out the course that you've just outlined, help Mm. you pre-sell the course you've just outlined, and take the results you've gotten in five days to the next level. That, to me, is like a really succinct, straightforward way of creating some nice profit and getting results with your business. 
Yeah, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic way to not only, yes, generate cash, because I even just seeing my testimonial come up again, it's like, oh, yeah, I had a list of 100 people. I like see it. I just read it. And I was like, oh, and I went up to 300 by the consistent action that I was taking prior. But it also generates activity around your Facebook account and people see that you're doing something. And so you're bringing in people that entire time the challenge is happening. Um, and, and if you do it really well, and Zach has this great kind of plug and play system that he has with ads. I don't remember how much I spent on ads back then. But yeah, it was it was short. It was engagement. I think we were um, converting for or whatever it's called the objective was like engagement or something. But we made sure the people that were in the challenge were consuming the content. That's the most important thing. Because if they're not consuming the content and getting, you know, hitting milestones with you in this training that you've created, they're not going to associate you with getting them results. And they're not going to really want to purchase the next thing because they didn't actually take action. So um, his whole platform was so easy for me to be like, oh, okay, cool. And then as the challenge was going, I was just adding my my group was growing and my list was growing because it was, you know, as we all know, Facebook also favors organic action being taken. So that action was all happening on my Facebook page. And then I was redirecting them to a group where we were just having a lot of fun, you know, doing the activities that I had set for them daily. Yeah. And that's really all it takes. And mm-hmm. I just want to hammer home the point that like it can be really simple and straightforward. Yes. The biggest yep. thing that you want to do, however you want to sell your product, even if you're like, maybe a challenge isn't right for me, or I'm thinking mm. about doing a webinar, or I don't want to do a webinar or a challenge. I just want to email <laughs> my list, right? The mm-hmm. biggest thing is provide some value to your audience. And then once yes. you've given value, give them the opportunity to pay you. Yes. The biggest mistake that I see people make is they're like, I'm not making any money. And I often ask, well, like, when's the last time you gave someone the opportunity to pay you? Mm-hmm. And so that's you the biggest ask. thing. You've got to ask <laughs> yeah. for that sale. So the easiest yeah. way to get that first sale is to ask for it. Mm. And I think I think that's one of the harder things for us like teachers, <laughs> like these yeah. academics who have a lot of value to give. We get that part. We get the teaching part. And then it's like, oh, are you going to pay me for this, this thing? And that's where we can... Um, well, I'm hoping that this podcast is changing that, but that's where that is a stopping point. It's definitely something I've hit um, multiple times, and it it only gets I don't even know if it's like stronger or it just looks different. You know, in those early stages where I was selling, you know, a couple hundred dollar product, and you know, it was great and fun, and that was one of my first public things that I did. Um, I I was getting one on one clients, but you know, going through your uh, five figure challenge and actually putting out a product on the back end of a challenge, that was the first like public facing, I am selling something. And that was really scary. And but now once I've done it, you know, I've had other projects and and I've charged more money and I've created bigger things. And every time (laughs) I hit a little bit of a money mindset Mm -hmm. thing, which is something I've been working through. But that's the thing I think from a teaching perspective, it's like, we've been teaching and giving to our institution and our students you know, for a paycheck, essentially. So now if that energy came back to you versus going through a system, it's just a different way of, I don't know, like, get yeah, getting paid what you're worth and your value. And you, you know, what you have to give to the world, I think it's the impact, not what you're worth, but like the impact you're making, that's what you're getting paid for. And it's, you know, 
infinite, really, of what you could accomplish with it. Whereas in an institution, it it wasn't infinite. And that that switch, once I made that, the ask started to get easier. And I think the way you talked about it, the opportunity, that's what you're giving them. What your product is doing is going to make some sort of transformation, right? Um, what does Russell Brunson say or where I've learned it from? But there's like three things, three main categories that you sell things for um, health, wealth and relationships like love, right? Yep. Any product falls in any of those things because that's, you know, that's the human experience. So whatever your transformation is, you're getting them in any of those areas. It's an opportunity and they can learn from an expert in that area. And, you know, you're, it's your responsibility almost to teach them um, you know, what you have to know to get them that transformation, because, you know, likely it impacted you in some way, or, you know, a family member or, you know, anything like that. So I think that that is huge. Yes, definitely. Yeah, cool. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking about to like, what maybe some hesitations people might have <laughs> for, for, you know, oh, well, he makes it sound so easy. Like I just have to make a list and then make Facebook ads. And it sounds like a lot, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm curious what you would say to somebody who's like, oh, well, you know, this wouldn't work for me because it worked for you or I'm not a salesperson. I, I didn't learn business. I'm just a teacher <laughs> or I'm just a professor um, or I'm just a grad student. What would you say to them to get over that hurdle of, um, you know, why why it, it's not even just like Zach is so amazing and so smart and so perfect and, you know, whatever. Like, of course he can do it. It must be so easy. What is what is some way that you can um, some advice, I guess, maybe back to advice again that you could give my audience around maybe some of those objections that they're hearing in their head? Yeah, well, the biggest thing I can tell you is like, you know, the one thing is like, I don't I don't really come from a sales background either. Mm. Like I actually well, I sort of do. So maybe I take that back because I learned sales at one of my jobs when I was, you know, 14. I went mm. but I worked I worked in um, customer service slash sales and I worked in a retention mm -hmm. Uh, department and mm. I worked uh, in a cancellation department. And the the big thing I will tell you is like when I started out, I was some 22 year old kid that a bunch of people online were trusting with their money. Okay. <laughs> yep. Like that's, that's the bare bones of it. Um, yeah. The biggest thing is like, look, you can always have an argument for your limitations. Um, but I just mm. read this fantastic quote. Um, and I don't remember it exactly. And I don't recall exactly who said it. Um, cause I read it on Twitter, but I, I think it was a quote from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, well, you're talking, you're talking to the academic. You need to cite your sources here, buddy. I yeah, don't know. I, know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly <laughs> where kidding. it's from. Um, but there, there was only argue for your limitations if you want to keep them. Mm, and I think mm -hmm. that that's just such a little powerful snippet. And it's like, look, mm -hmm. you can make the argument about why you're not good at it, but look, I didn't start out good at sales. I, tried things out and some things didn't work. And some things to this day don't work for me. Like we go through promotions that are a big flop, you know, two years in, like it happens. So I just tell people like, look, you can only get better with time, but you can't get better without practice. And so mm. you might as well do your best, you know, forget the rest and, and go for it. And there's a really great book um, around mm. sales called go for no. And oh, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to buy the book necessarily. I don't think I've ever read it, to be completely honest. But the whole point of the book, I think, is more important. The messaging of the book is more important, which is the more often you get a no, the closer you get to a yes. 
So mm. go for the no's. Go for the sales conversations that you don't think you're going to ace. Go for mm-hmm. the challenges you think are going to flop. Go for the promotions that you're not sure are going to work. Just yeah. go for it because the more you do the stuff that doesn't work, the closer you get to the stuff that does work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can sit sit back and watch and plan and consume. And I think this is also where... I mean, academics are kind of inherently lifelong learners, not to say that everyone else isn't, but it's it's kind of a part of our profession and what we do. And so it is easy to be like, oh, I just I love learning just for learning new things. And it's easy for us to get into analysis paralysis and not take action um, and just be in more of a consuming state versus a creation state. And so I that's something that through entrepreneurship, I've really realized was... Um, I guess more of a one, more of something I would have to work at um, than maybe even some friends I've made online. Like I'm like, oh man, they just make decisions so quickly and like they're not <laughs> overthinking everything. And I'm an overthinker a little bit, but it's not negative. I think there's good things to be an over an, to being an like very analytic, especially in marketing. I think there's a, a lot of that skill set that that can shine as long as it's not. A hindrance and you're just using it as a way to not have to do the scary thing, which I've had to kind of wake myself out of. I don't know if that's what I'm trying to say, but wake myself up basically when I realize I've dug myself into this like a little bit of a, oh, wait, what what's the worst thing that can happen? I had someone recently say that to me. Are you going to die? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like (laughs) we're good, right? Like give it a shot. And um, even something that basic, it's true. I think um, I think, you know, yeah, we can like, like that quote, we can kind of talk ourselves into anything. It's just what do we actually want from it, which is important to think about, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, so Zach, why, why are you building your business? I'm kind of curious too. like, what's your big goal with all of this? Yeah, you know, it's funny because people ask me a lot. And for me, the big goal mm. has always been, you know, personal and financial freedom. Mm. And I, I'm honestly still working towards that in in both mm-hmm. regards, I think. But being able to be at a place where I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, whether that's giving back or reading mm. a book in a hammock and taking a nap, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to be the person that makes the decisions in my life for my life without Mm. influence from other people, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Real, true freedom right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And that's what I'm working towards. And that's why, you know, I try my best when I make a decision to say, you know, is this moving me closer towards Mm -hmm. that level of freedom and flexibility that I want? Or is this moving me closer towards, you know, being indebted to my business or being a Mm. cog in my business, which is Mm. kind of the place that we're at now where it's like, how do I step back from the business and have more vision to what's working than being in the day-to-day grind of the business. And to me, that's probably the biggest challenge that I face right now. Mm, for sure. What's your favorite part about running a business? Um, you know, I think my favorite part is being able to experiment and just kind of mm. do whatever I want to do and have fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially nothing against academics. Uh <laughs> But I think in the academic space, a lot of time, it's like we do what we're told or we do it how it's been told. Um, The exception being research. But usually Mm -hmm. in like the like my experience with academic was you do the way it's been done because that's how we do it. Yeah. And being able to be in a space where we do things the way we want to do them because we're excited to see what might happen is like a totally different ballgame. And it's so much fun. Yeah, I yes, I would love to just kind of 
Yeah, piggyback on that a little bit because I think I think I, what I think is interesting is academics are kind of. <laughs> it's funny because we went into being um, professors. If that's a goal of, um, you know, not every academic I interviewed, you know, decided to go further in their education to teach, but a lot of us did. And I was so happy about the freedom. I thought, I mean, I wasn't choosing a nine to five. I had summers off. I had these like nice two week, three week vacation a month, you know, in the winter. And I was like, I have it good. And I, I felt like I was choosing freedom. And in many cases, you know, in my classroom, I was free. But where I met that what you're talking about, that limitation, that um, feeling like I was being held back, or that I couldn't really do what needed to be done was obviously like the way the institution was run. And that's where it's like, oh, yeah. And of course, there's these amazing teachers trying really cool pedagogical kind of things in their classroom, and they're pushing the buttons and they're you know, their students love them. Um, There's people doing, you know, obviously ridiculous research that is just pushing us forward with our knowledge. And that's really important, too. But then there's that other part that I think is what my audience, the people who are listening are probably sitting here going, Oh, yeah, like I actually I playing small is probably not a, a, a sentence they would use. It's something I came across more in entrepreneurship. But looking back, that's what it was. It was almost like I was settling for just having an impact on my 30 students, you know, in every section I had every semester and like, and that was it. And once I realized that it's, it can be if I want it to be, and that's the key, uh, it can be so much bigger and, and infinite. And, you know, the salary schedule was limiting and begging for a 1% raise at the negotiation table. I mean, that's all my growth like entailed. And then it was like, oh, this is now I've got this. But it was only kind of almost falling into this space with the MLM. That's how I was into was through Beachbody, which I think my audience knows. But yeah, like realizing like, oh, there's a way to just like support people online in a in a really positive way that with a product that changed my life. And it's actually giving me extra money. And then I was like, huh, what is this? How do I get better at this? That's when I started following people on Periscope. So it's funny how that that was my, you know, uh, foray into this space. Um, but it it did come from feeling a little like maybe I wasn't able to do all that I, I knew was possible in me at my school. And that it and that it's such a slow moving thing to change. I think it is changing and it's going to have to change and shift, but it's just slow. And it's like, you know, I have work to do. I have one life. I only have so many years. Like, I don't know that I can do it here, that this is the best place for me. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And and I, mm-hmm. I think you said it so eloquently is like, um, thank you for clarifying, because that's what I mean is the, the bureaucracy yeah. yes. is what we see in the the academic, like my experience with bureaucracy, because I was a graduate assistant and an Mm, undergraduate mm -hmm. assistant. Like, so when I say that side of academics, I don't mean academics as people. I mean, yeah, bureaucracy. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and you know, there's academics who I would never want to hang out with. (laughs) So it's not like blanket statement. We're all awesome. But for like the really awesome academics doing amazing stuff and using their classroom to, you know, really change their students lives. I mean, I, I really felt that. I mean, that, that was, that was my day in and day out. I didn't leave because I wasn't fulfilled, but I left because I knew I could do something bigger and that was it. And it, and so, um, yeah, I mean, there are going to be some academics who are just like total, oh, I'm going to 
teach using an overhead projector, even though it's, you know, <laughs> 2018, you're just like, what? You can't, you can't make some nice PowerPoint slides. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, I think that some, some people shift a lot slower, but the institution does not help to encourage innovation, creativity, and, um, you know, quick, quick thinking, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun, Zach. Um, where can my people sign up for your list? They need to, they need to see what you're teaching out there. I think that would be a smart place to direct them. Yeah. So <laughs> if you want to check out more, you can head over to heartsoulhustle.com. Um, but if you want to just get right on my email list, the best and most relevant thing would be to head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash challenge book. And mm. that's actually a free download like we talked about. It's a workbook again, like we talked about, and it's about <laughs> how to craft and market your own five-day challenge if you're thinking about bringing a course or a coaching program or something of the likes into the world. That would be a really great place to go. You'll get on my email list. You'll get some warm-up emails. Um, you can look at it through the lens of, I want to run a challenge, or you can look at it through the lens of, I want to study what the heck this guy's doing. Um, totally. And I think both are totally smart. So that's where you mm -hmm. can check it out. Awesome. And where can they kind of connect and get to know you a little bit better? Where are you hanging out in social media right now? Best place is Instagram. I am at yeah. Heart Soul Hustle on Instagram. We are working to grow our Instagram like it's our job. So if you want to come hang out, that would be a great place to do it. Yeah, you can meet your doggies. <laughs> yeah, you can meet my kids. Well, I call them my kids, but my dogs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they make cameos. The podcast is all over there. So you mm, will get exposed mm -hmm. to all kinds of stuff if you follow me on Instagram. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't even drop your podcast. We're talking to a fellow podcaster who he um, teaches like a badass on that thing, by the way. Oh, so you. um, if you're if you're wanting to get into the marketing and kind of hear it, um, you know, from someone who's been doing this a little while and you like what he has to say, check out his podcast as well. It is the Heart Soul Hustle podcast, right? Yep. Or Heart, is it Soul and yeah, Hustle okay. podcast? Perfect. Yes. Also, really, really good stuff over there. Awesome, Zach. Well, this has been really fun. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.